the Lord issued a rebuke to Israel in Jeremiah chapter 8. He rebuked them and he told them, he said, he said, there's a problem that you have there among you. He said, um, and that problem is there's no balm in Gilead. There's no physician there. There should be. And you have the availability of it if you would receive it, but you haven't received it. And uh, he said, it's a reproach, it's a rebuke to my people. I want to tell you today, you walked into a place where there is balm in Gilead. There is a physician that is here. He really is as close as the mention of His name. He really can t touch, heal, save to the uttermost. What an awesome God we serve. Would you just give Him praise and thanksgiving? Hallelujah. I know the Lord's already been working here. And so I will not be long. And I just, I do feel to just say something this morning that I hope everybody catches. Everybody catches. Please, church family, listen to what I say for the next just few minutes. I'll be very quick. I do want to remind you for prayer meeting tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Please be here for prayer meeting tomorrow night. We do it monthly, once a month, family prayer meeting. And we ask that you would be here. And when we come together and pray, if we do not pray, God cannot move. Do you hear what I said? If we do not pray, God cannot move. God, God moves with us working together with Him through prayer. And so if you're not praying, don't be asking. And when I say praying, I don't just mean petitioning. I'm talking about seeking God. If we're not seeking God in prayer together as a corporate body, please don't be asking Him because He's probably not. He's, as, as He told my wife's cousin Bruce, as his dad Harold told him, when he said, Lord, please don't let it rain, and Bruce wasn't doing right, he said, don't, I figure he's probably out taking care of his regular customers right about now. Let's be a regular customer of the Lord. I'm not saying He don't hear us when we call. If we haven't been, He'll hear you. But it, it sure is good to have a consistent relationship. This kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. That talks of people who are consistently praying and fasting. So tomorrow night at 7, we're going to be here for prayer. If you weren't here last Sunday, if you haven't seen last Sunday's service, I feel like that was a service the Lord gave me a very specific word for. Please go watch it. Praise team, you had technical issues today. Instruments, things didn't want to come together. But thank God, what a powerful anointing you have. And you were just fine. We didn't miss a beat. God bless you. You may be seated. Yesterday, of course, and I don't always hit the focus of this, but I do feel that I will today simply because it was a very... Um, monumental day yesterday. It was the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks. Um, of course, in those attacks, there were two planes that flew into the World Trade Center towers. 
there was a plane that flew into the Pentagon. And there was another plane that went down in Pennsylvania as it was on its way to the U.S. Capitol building. Um, those attacks revealed to us the heroic nature of many of our fellow citizens. Both first responders and regular Americans. Many of them became heroes in a time of need. There are literally hundreds of stories of heroism that come to us from that day. People who put their lives on the line, many of them who lost their lives. I was seeing pictures yesterday. I saw a picture of one man. He was a firefighter. Seth, he was a firefighter and he was on his way and they were in the tunnel and traffic stopped their truck from being able to get there, but that man climbed out of the truck and ran to those towers. And it was the last time anybody ever saw him alive. He went because he felt the call to help. Um, I heard the story of Wells Crawley, a man who had a red bandana, Sister Trish, and Wells... Uh, always, everywhere he went, he had a red bandana. And for for months, his family never knew what happened to him until a woman was on television and she told the story of the man with the red bandana who had tied it around his face to keep the, the smoke and all the stuff from getting into his... And he was going back up and getting people and bringing them down. And then he'd go back up and get another one and bring them down and... She said, that man with the red bandana saved my life. And somebody got a hold of Wells' family and they said, didn't Wells always have a red bandana? And so they got in contact with that woman. She saw his picture and she said, that's him. That's the man that saved my life. There was that man and there were hundreds of others. We owe them a debt of gratitude. I'm not wanting to be political and I don't need anybody to get loud when I say this, but I want to say that it is a horrible thing when our country begins to uh, have very negative things to say about people who constantly put themselves in harm's way for us. And we need to stand against that and we need to have respect for those people and we need to honor them for what they do. There are... So many of those kinds of stories from that day. One of the best known, though, is that of a man by the name of Todd Beamer. He, along with other passengers of Flight United 93. That's a picture of Todd you see on the screen. Todd, on the morning of 9-11, he got on an airplane in Newark, New Jersey. He was headed to San Francisco. And as... He is on that plane. Some things began to happen. Many of you saw and shared the story of the transcript of Todd Beamer's call to 911. He was able to get to a phone that was in the plane in one of the stewardess cabin area. And he got a hold of 911 and he began to talk to them. And he began to share with them the situation that they found themselves in at that particular time. And so it was a very powerful thing to read, and I read it, and it had me in tears just 
listening to the things he had to say. And this woman, as she tried to help, (coughs) as she tried to work through these things with him and get them some answers on what all was going on. And I want to, I'm going to pull this up if, if I'm able, and I want to share with you some of that conversation. Todd, when the operator answered, he said, Hello, operator, listen to me. I can't speak very loud. This is an emergency. I'm a passenger on a United flight to San Francisco. We have a situation here. Our plane has been hijacked. Can you understand me? The woman on the other line, already knowing of the other three planes, breathed deeply. She said, I understand. Can they see you talking on the phone? No. Can you tell me how many hijackers are on the plane? There are three that we know of. And he begins to tell her what they've done. They've taken knives and and they have uh, taken over the cockpit and... Uh, it was a bad situation, and they realized that. And she asked for his name, and he said, My name is Todd Beamer. She said, Okay, Todd, my name is Lisa. Tell me exactly what happened, and he shares the story with it. And so she finds out, as Todd talks to her, that there are two hijackers now in the cockpit of the plane. There's a third one that is back with the passengers, and he is wearing something that looks like a bomb and tells them that it is a bomb. And so, uh, that is the situation that they find themselves in. Uh, he tells you that everybody's very scared and that people are making calls to relatives. And, and then he said, there's a guy, Jeremy, was talking to his wife just before it started. And she told him that hijackers had crashed two planes into the World Trade Center. Lisa, is that true? She said, Todd, I have to tell you the truth. It's very bad. The World Trade Center is gone. Both of the towers have been destroyed. He said, oh God, help us. She said, a third plane was taken over by terrorists. It crashed into the Pentagon in D.C. Our country is under attack, and I'm afraid that your plane may be a part of their plan. He said, oh dear God, Lisa, will you do something for me? I want you to call my wife and my kids and tell them what's happened. Promise me that you'll call. I promise I'll call. You've got the same name as my wife, Lisa. We've been married 10 years. We have three kids or two kids with one on the way. I've got two boys David, he's three, and Andrew, he's one. Tell them, choking up, tell them that their daddy loves them and that he is so proud of them. Clears throat again. This is the transcript. Our baby is due January 12th. I saw an ultrasound. It was great. We still don't know if it's a girl or a boy. Lisa, I'll I'll tell them. I promise, Todd. I'm going back to the group. If I can get back to the phone, I will. I'm going to leave the line open. While he goes back to the group, Lisa gets in touch with the FBI. An FBI agent, Goodwin, comes on the phone. And when Todd comes back, all three of them have a discussion together. I'll I'll skip some of this. You need to go read it. It's so powerful. 
when Todd finally comes back, he told them, he said, we all know that this isn't your normal hijacking. Jeremy called his wife again on his cell phone. She told him more about the Trade Center and all. The agent came on. He said, hello, Todd. This is Agent Goodwin with the FBI. We're monitoring your flight. Your plane, of course, the plane had now turned around through all of this. Your plane is on a course for Washington, D.C. Our best guess is that they plan to fly your plane into either the White House or the United States Capitol building. I understand. Hold on. I'll be back. When Todd comes back, breathing a little heavier, he said the plane seems to be changing directions a little. It's getting pretty rough up here. It's flying very erratic. We're not going to make it out of here. Listen to me. I want you to hear this. I have talked with the others. We have decided that we would not be pawns in these hijackers' suicidal plot. Lisa asked, Todd, what are you going to do? We've hatched the plan. Four of us are going to rush the hijacker with the bomb. After we take him out, we'll break into the cockpit. A stewardess is getting some boiling water to throw on the hijackers at the controls. We'll get them and we'll take them out. Lisa, will you do one last thing for me? Yes, what is it? Would you pray with me? They prayed together. They prayed the Lord's Prayer and they quoted the 23rd Psalm. And then Todd said this, Jesus, help me. Are you guys ready? Let's roll. That's my subject today is let's roll. David, the king and the psalmist of Israel had a moment of similar clarity. When he arrived in the camp of the Israelite army and he heard the boast of Goliath of what he would do and what the Philistines would do. And David said, after hearing what all had happened, he said, is there not a cause? And he turned to another person. He had spoken that to his brother Eliab. He turned from him toward another and he spake after the same manner. Is there not a cause? I think that question ought to ring in our ears today. Is there not a cause? I say to you today that it's time that we roll. There are four things that I see <clears throat> that happened in Todd Beamer's phone call with that agent and with that operator. The first thing is that they identified the enemy's plot. They realized what it was they were attempting to do, what they were trying to do. And I would say to you today that before we're going to be able to roll, we're going to have to identify the enemy's plot. Let me tell you what his plot is. It's three words. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I want to remind you, because you won't hear it very many other places, but I want to remind you that Satan hates you. I want to remind you that the devil hates everything you stand for. The devil hates the worship that you lifted up today. The devil hates the prayer that was made in this place today. The devil hates the way that you sought to connect with Jesus in this worship service that we have been a part of today. If you didn't connect, 
you played right into his hands. He's out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I want you to know that you need to wake up to that realization, to that horrifying fact that if you don't do something, the devil will steal, the devil will kill, the devil will destroy. But I really feel like I might be preaching to people today that say, not going to happen to me. Is there not a cause? Is there not something that would drive me today? The second thing that happened is they determined what was most important. For them, it was to tell their families that they loved them. And it was to make sure that plane did not accomplish its purpose that the hijackers had for it. I would tell you today, we need to sit down and determine what is most important to us. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that your job is not the most important thing in your life. I'm going to tell you hear what I'm saying on this anniversary. It's not your job that is most important. It is not how much money you have or do not have that is most important. It is not how well off or respected you think you are that is most important. It is not your hobbies that are most important. It is not your vacation that is most important the only thing that is important right here and right now is your soul and the soul of your families and we better get back to understanding that that is the most important thing that I've got to make sure that I am saved that I've got to make sure that my family is saved What's most important to you? Don't just say it to me. Show it to me. Don't just tell your kids they're important. Show your kids they're important. How are we going to do that? I'll tell you how we're going to do that. We're coming to the house of God. We're going to worship an almighty God. We're going to teach them how to love His truth. We're going to teach them how to worship Him. We're going to teach them how to pray. We're going to teach them how to fast. It's the most important thing. If we're not careful, some of the good stuff we've got is going to take us straight to hell. That's a little strong. It's going to be stronger. Don't let things take you to hell. Don't let stuff cause you to lose out with God. Don't let the devil tell you that you're okay when you're not okay. You know what the Word of God says. You need to get back in the Word of God. You need to get established in it and make sure your soul is right with the Lord. The third thing they did is they formulated a plan. They came up with a plan on what they would do to make sure that What was most important would be taken care of and that the enemy's plot would be foiled. They knew they were taking their own lives into their hands. They knew that they weren't going to make it back down from this. 
But they knew that if they did not act, there would be casualties that they could not live with or stomach. And they said, they, we cannot allow that to happen. We're going anyway. We cannot let this happen. And so those brave souls, let me tell you something right now. I'm about tired of people who just because they made a lot of money and they signed a big contract and they've got a famous name think that their opinion matters and makes them a hero. They're not a hero. It's people who lay down their lives for their brother that's a hero. They formulated their plan. And I tell you today, you need to have a plan before you leave here. Do not walk out of this room without a plan. I want to help you today. I know I'm preaching in a way that's going to probably stir you up. But I want, to get, I want to make sure you get a hold of the plan before you leave. Because if you don't have a plan, you're not going to be successful. Here is your plan. I'm going to give you your plan today. Number one, live for God with passion. Live for God with passion. Why don't you try putting into the, the kingdom of God what you've been putting into everything else? We've got a passion to follow this. And we've got a passion to follow that. And we can get a passion for people. How about you take that kind of a passion and say, I want to live for God with that passion. God put something down inside of me. That I become so passionate about living for you. It doesn't matter who else does what. It will not cause me to waver in my faith. My dad, when he came into the church, had a pastor that he loved. And a pastor that gave Bible studies to him and, and helped ground him. And sometime later, that man began to make mistakes. That caused that man to make shipwreck of his life. I want to thank God that my dad got his own passion. Because if he had none, it would have probably destroyed him. But somewhere along the way, he got his own passion for the things of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, Nina and Bill O'Connell put a lot of stuff in me. But if they put anything in me that means something, they put a passion for the things of God. And I'm going to tell you today, if none of you show up next Sunday, I'll still be here praying. In him. If you don't come and if you don't want to serve him, I'll still be praying. I'll still be fasting. I want to have a passion. I want to have a passion for serving God. You got to live from passion. Number two, you've got to be faithful in all things. Get faithful. Get faithful. In a generation. That doesn't want you to be faithful to nothing. Be faithful to what matters. Be faithful to God. What does that look like? It looks like coming to church. It looks like studying His Word. It looks like praying. It looks like giving. Our tithe and offering. It looks like being consistent. It looks like living a life of holiness as under the Lord. We've got to be faithful in all things. Quit listening to voices that are not godly voices tell you what is okay and what is not okay. I may not be a lot of things, but I'll tell you one thing I am. I'm a preacher that will preach truth to you. 
I may not be six foot tall. But I'll preach truth just as strong as anybody else will. And I'm going to tell you, don't you listen to some backslidden voice tell you, well, that's not important or that doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. Yes, it is important. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Hold on to holiness. Wasn't going to go into here, but I'm going to say it. I'm coming back to do a series on it very soon. But let me tell you something, ladies. Let your hair grow long. Don't cut it. Don't trim it. Why do you say that? I'm not saying you're a bad person if you ever did that. I'm saying starting today, it can be long in the eyes of God. Why? Because it's your glory. Because of the angels. Because nature itself doth teach you. Because God has asked you to do it. Dress holy. Come on, men and women. Dress holy. I try to only preach truth around here. I don't try to put burdens on you that the Bible doesn't want to put on you. Don't take that and use that as an opportunity to try to get lax in your commitment. Do what's right. Every time I've taught holiness in this church, and I teach it about as clearly as any preacher you'll ever hear. And every time I've taught it, I've been very clear about it. Why we do it, where it comes from. I give you scripture and verse. I don't don't do this in a way where I just say, do it or else. I make sure you understand where it's coming from. After I've done that, it ain't on me no more. It's on you. And I'm going to keep putting it back on you. Because it's too far too heavy of a load for me. For me to go into eternity and not preach truth to you. I'm going to put it back on you. When I stand before the Lord, I'm going to have to give an account. Some people say that's to give an account for you. I don't think that's true. I think it's to give an account for what I did to you. What I preached to you. What I taught to you. I'm going to have to give an account for you. Lord, I gave it to him. And I'm not going to stand before him and say, God, I backed off. I'm going to preach truth. Be faithful in all things. If you're not giving your tithe and offering, you're robbing God. You're robbing God. Thieves and robbers can't enter into there. The Bible told us that. Be faithful in all things. Third step of that, we're going to live for God with passion. We're going to be faithful in all things. And then we're going to look unto Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. Don't get your eyes on Republicans and Democrats. Don't get your eyes on presidents and Congress. Don't get your eyes on Supreme Courts. And and don't get your eyes on vaccines and medical doctors. And don't get your eyes on conspiracy theorists. And and don't get your eyes on all that stuff. Get your eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And then the fourth thing they did, they identified the enemy's plot. They determined what was most important. They formulated a plan. And then finally they carried it out. I've given you the plan. Live for God with passion. Be faithful in all things. Look unto Jesus. And your fourth thing you've got to do is you've got to carry it out. 
every single day, you've got to carry it out. You don't, we don't take breaks from living for God. We don't not live for God because we are not at church this week. We don't not live for God because I'm at school and not at church. We don't not live for God because I'm with the co-workers and not with the saints. We live for God everywhere, all the time. This is not a part-time thing. When we got into this, we said we were going to give it everything. Because we are not, we are strangers and pilgrims. I'm not a citizen of this world. I don't belong here. I'm a citizen of that world. I'm always going to be a citizen of that world. So I don't take breaks from it. There is, this is no time for us to back up. There's no time to wait. There's no time to be fooling with distractions. Ladies and gentlemen, we must roll. We must roll. And I say to you today, let us roll for ourselves. Let us roll for our families. Let us roll for our city. Let us roll for his kingdom. Let's roll. Brothers and sisters, let's roll. If that is what those people were willing to do, what should we be willing to do? If that's what they were willing to do for people's earthly lives, what should we be willing to do for people's eternal souls? Let's roll. I wish a husband would look at his wife today and say, Baby, let's roll. I wish somebody would look at somebody near them on a pew and say, Let's roll. We have no time to fool around. We are getting so close. To the coming of the Lord. Let's roll. Is there not a cause? I hear you, David. It's like David had rolled up into a backslidden, dead, dry church. And they were just sitting there. And they knew there was a problem. They didn't think they had any way of taken care of it but I'm telling you today the problem may seem beyond your ability but with him you can do it we're going to roll we do have a cause our soul is going to live forever our soul will live forever it is the eternal aspect of who you are it will continue on in one place or another it will continue on so we've got to keep pressing and we've got to keep going don't be distracted don't look to the left don't look to the right. Look unto Jesus and roll on.
in this room today, we've already had one awesome altar call. That was where the Lord came down and worked for us and in us and through us. But now we're getting ready to have an altar call where we're going to commit to the Lord. If I have preached to you and you have felt conviction fall on you at all, that was God speaking to you. And that was the Lord telling you to make your calling and election sure. If I said something and it felt like it pricked you, and it felt like I went after you, you know me well enough to know I don't go after people in this church. I didn't go after anybody. I came to preach the truth. And if God pricked your heart, and if you felt uncomfortable with something I said, because it struck a little close to home, that's conviction. And that's God saying, let's get it right. I want to encourage you to get it right. So if, I know we don't have room for everybody to get down here. But if you would kneel, if you would come down here or kneel or stand or do something. But make a move today that tells the Lord, God, I'm going to roll. God, I recognize there's a, ca a cause. And I'm going to roll. And I will not let my soul down. And I will not let those of my family down. I'm going to give it everything I got. Every day I've got. Until either you come again. Or I go to meet you on the other side. I'm going to make sure Lord. I'm going to make sure.